So last week I talked a little bit about uh, the importance of video and how video is becoming more important. And it is important. It's going to continue to be important and it's going to play a larger role in how we interact going forward as a business as we learn to use these tools out of necessity and then become accustomed to them and realize the value and begin to use them more and more. So uh, this week I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the technical aspects. Uh, we're going to get a pass for a, a little while as small business owners and entrepreneurs and, and coworkers and whatever, as we get used to using this technology for business more effectively and more frequently, we're going to get a pass for a while, but at some point we're going to start being expected to understand the technology and be competent with it um, uh, and, and realize that everything we do in video becomes a part of the message we're trying to send, whether that message is to our boss or our coworkers, or whether that message is actually to a customer or a vendor or an outside party or an investor. So it really does matter more than we might think at first. Um, and just like we got used to long ago using cars, less long ago using computers on a day-to-day -day basis. And, uh, you know, as a culture, this is something that we will also get used to, and we're going to, we're going to be able to build on it. And so being able to be technically competent, not experts, but technically competent, just like not all of us are expert computers, computers, <laughs> computer users, we're but we're, most of us are competent to use a computer and technology in our day-to-day -day lives. So it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. My name is Stephen Krause, and this is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense live stream and podcast where we take proven business principles and use them to create practical action so that you can use those principles in ways that are authentic and uh, applicable to your specific business. So let's get right into this now. Um, I did do a little bit of shifting around of my system here. We'll see if it works. I'm not sure I like it. I have my notes further off to the side here and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work through that, but we'll see. So this is a, the second in a two-part series of video stuff. So last week I really talked about value, you know, not only the importance of video in business, but also the value, um, trying to extract value out of using video in business. And this week I want to talk more about the technical side of it and getting the most out of the gear that you already have. Um, video and audio is, and I touched on this a little bit last week, but this is a rabbit hole. You can go down pretty far and it can get very expensive, very fast. Uh, not only in terms of the actual expense of, you know, gear, but also in time, the time to set it up, the time to learn how to use it, the time to um, uh, test it in the various configurations that you might want to use it in. And all of that starts to, instead of being an asset to your small business, it becomes a liability. And that's what I want to keep you away from. I, we don't need to, this to be a liability. We need to learn how to use video as an asset. And that's what we're going to cover today. So 
one of the things that I, I want to make very clear is this is not about making you anxious or creating anxiety around what you can't do. This is about giving you tips and advice and information about what you can do to make your video better, given your own personal circumstances and your own resources. Um, you know, there may be portions of this that you have no control over that you cannot change. And that's okay. Look at the whole thing as a, as a, um, larger picture and do what you can, where you can with the equipment that you have and make those changes. And then if eventually you have some resources that you can do something a little bit differently, whether that's an investment in gear or a change of location, which is going to be an issue for all of us for a while, that's, you know, then you can make those changes, but you don't need to worry about, oh, I can't do this. So now I'm going to have problems with video. No, let's just try to make the most of what we have. And then we'll make incremental increases or improvements as we go forward. So there's four sides to the video screen. There's the top, the bottom, the left, that's your left and the right. Okay, so really it's audio, lighting, video, and environment. And those are the four things we're going to talk about. Um, and so the first thing is really getting into the audio piece of it, uh, which is might sound counterintuitive because we're doing video. But as it turns out, users will be turned off by good video with bad audio much more quickly than they'll be turned off by a bad video with good audio. So while it might not sound, you know, at first blush, it might not sound like that's, that's true or that it would be true, but it's, that's what, uh, what people have found is simply that audio really, really matters and makes a big difference in how you're perceived on video. So what do we do about that? Um, the, there, there's just a couple of tips that can change things. Um, one is getting your microphone close to your mouth. So in the case of the studio here, I've got a couple of, of uh, things. You Obviously, I have my, my main microphone that you see in every episode. Um, I have a laptop, just like everybody else, that has a microphone in it. The problem is that microphone is two to three feet from my mouth. The impact of that is that in order for it to have to, to be able to pick up enough of my voice to have clear audio, it ends up being amplified and picks up environmental noise as well. So that's the first problem. The second problem is quite frankly, they don't put the best mics in the world in microelectronics or in, you know, in small electronics, laptops, tablets, um, phones, you know, they have serviceable microphones so that you can make a phone call, but they're not designed for environments that might have background noise or where you want really clear, concise audio. This especially becomes important if you're working with non-native English speakers or non-native speakers, if your native language isn't English in the first place, and you're working with people who don't speak your language, the more clarity you can provide the more easily you can transfer information and get your point across. So that's one really important thing. The other piece is if the video is going to be recorded for future, then you don't know what 
environment it's going to be listened to in the future. And you also don't know what environment your, your, uh, other, per, uh, your other participants will have when you're speaking to them. So if you couple a mediocre mic with mediocre computer speakers or tablet speakers on a subway where your recipient is, pretty soon you can understand where uh, that audio quality would fall off. And if people can't hear you or can't understand what you're saying, it becomes very difficult to want to continue to engage in that particular video, whether that's a recorded video or even a meeting. It makes it very hard for people to participate if they don't understand. So uh, get the microphone close to your mouth, which means oftentimes we don't want to use the microphone that's built into our laptops or even our phones um, cause if you're doing a video call, you're not going to have your phone right up to your face. So, uh, what can you do about that? Well, you can use the, um, you know, the, the, from things from around the office or your home office that you can use to correct this are things like the phone. Uh, if, if your phone came with a headphone, uh, set, uh, with a microphone in it, that microphone might not be great quality either, but it's going to be much closer to your mouth because typically they rest, you know, close to, to here on your chest versus 18 to 24 or 36 inches away. So even just that change can make a big difference. Now you can debate whether or not you want the look of having your, your headphones on or whatever. Um, but that's a personal, you know, there's a, a decision there you have to make with how professional the environment is and whether or not you need to, to take care of that. But you can also clip the microphone on the inside of your shirt and tuck the headphone earbuds somewhere and just use the microphone and don't worry about the head, the earphones. Um, we can talk about, you know, monitoring, you know, monitoring the audio uh, a little separately, but that's the most important thing is to get that microphone close to your mouth. Uh, the good news on this is you don't need a broadcast mic to make that happen. You can use uh, the microphone or the um, earbuds and microphone set that came with your phone if you've got one. Um, I do have a couple of examples here. Um, this is a, an inexpensive Audio Technica mic, and um, the it's a lapel mic, so you know it would clip on right here. Um, okay, here's the tip. I didn't put it in my notes, but you actually don't want lapel mics to be pointed up towards your mouth. Um, you get uh, a lot more popping and breath noises when you do that. So you actually turn them upside down. And in this case, Mike, uh, I have the microphone in the holder upside down. So it's not going to, I'm not going to be able to hook it up, but you want it actually pointed down like this uh, to avoid those breath noises that you'll get if otherwise. But this is, you know, a $30 microphone. It doesn't have to be really expensive. It just needs to get uh, closer to your mouth. Uh, I do have another USB mic that I got here. This one deceptively plugs into your USB port, making it useless as an improvement over what you already have for the most part, because it's still really far away from your mouth. Now it comes with an extension cord, so you can figure out a way to maybe put it, you know, on a book or something, depending on your setup. And you could use something like this, but there are some really nice USB mics that come with stands. They're still very inexpensive. If you have access to one. Again, going back to, do you have something that you could use already? And that's where the earbuds with a microphone in them 
uh, very common product. A lot of people have them. They come with a lot of phones. So you have that option. And I would strongly recommend using something like that instead of using uh, the microphone in your, in your laptop or computer. So, all right. So let's talk a little bit. Oh, um, before we move on to that, uh, to lighting, I want to talk about monitoring uh, the audio. So you can use earbuds. Typically, you know, you have a white uh, line if your earbuds are white. And so you've got this, uh, they're very visible in the shot is basically what I'm trying to talk my way around. And so we, we want to, that can be a little bit distracting. It can certainly take away from any professionalism. If you put on a suit in the morning and then put earbuds in it, you know, you kind of have to think about that. So you can, uh, you can monitor, uh, with your earbuds one trick is to put them on so that they're running behind you instead of right down your chest that requires you to have potentially a longer cable um, and you can if you, if you have a long enough cable that's great if you don't there are some extension cables that you can buy um, those are not expensive either um, but that will really improve the way you come across if you don't have that just right across your chest when you're trying to trying to talk so um, the other thing that, that people, uh, I think a lot of people don't really realize is that the, the platforms, these software packages, zoom and Skype and, and, uh, WebEx and stuff like that, they've all really improved their echo and noise cancellation in, in recent years. Um, that's not to say it's not possible to get feedback and noise and, and, uh, echoes, but test it because it's very possible you could use your computer speakers and it would actually work just fine. Now, I do think you should test that if you want to use an open source like um, speakers, it's really important to run it through some paces, talk to somebody, you know, in another building or something, call your house, call, call your office, call your friend using that technology and see if you're getting an echo or feedback. But it's very possible that you, you don't have to actually use earbuds to prevent those kinds of, of, um, noise problems. So that's something to look at, uh, or listen for and, um, try to, try to work on because it, it, that allows you to kind of step away from having to have, uh, earbuds in at all. And that does provide a cleaner video presence than having the earbuds in. Even if you have little earbuds, people still see that. So, uh, something to think about look at that. So moving on to lighting, this is something that, uh, I think people don't really, um, pay as much attention to as really they should. Lighting is really important in videography and photography. Cameras don't see like our eyes do. And because of that, they, they really need lighting a, a lot more than you might think in order to perform well. And so rule number one is try not to use overhead lights. Uh, for example, in the studio, I do have a whole set of overhead lights that I turn on sometimes during the day. Um, there's a lot of them, so it's a lot of electricity and I try to avoid that. But, um, the, the problem is that when you light from above, you're going to a, if you're graced with 
beautiful bald like I am, you end up with a very shiny head. Um, the next thing that is though, and more impactful on communication is that you shadow your eyes from above, uh, because your eye, your eyebrows will shadow your eyes and your nose will shadow your mouth. So the two things that we use to express ourselves in communication or two of the primary things that we use are now less expressive because they're shadowed. And so we really want to try to avoid that kind of contingency by removing overhead lighting. And so what do we want to do? Well, we want to light from about 45 and 45, which means about you want your, your light about 45 degrees up ish and about 45 degrees off of center. So, um, that's not a hard and fast rule. And it definitely depends on, on, um, your, your, the rest of your room, the lighting situation that you have in terms of whatever ambient light is around in here, I have complete control of light. So the light is where I wanted it to be in the first place. But if you're working in, in a home office or in a, in a standard office where you don't have absolute control of the light, then you don't have that option. So, um, but as a rule, 45 at 45 is a pretty good thumb rule to kind of go say, okay, I'm going to set my light here. And, um, the next thing we want to talk about is how bright the lights need to be. And the basically as bright as you can tolerate. If, uh, when you start doing video, if you really want it to look the best that it can, it's going to be uncomfortable at first until you get used to it, how bright those lights are. Okay. Um, I've got two lights. They're literally right in front of my face and they are very bright and you get used to it, but it is, it really does make a big difference in how the camera can perform. So the low light performance of these cameras, um, especially if you have to use the onboard camera for your, for your, uh, on your laptop or your phone or your tablet, um, because of the sensor size, the size of the glass in terms of the lens and the distance from the lens to the, the sensor itself, there's just a lot of physical constraints around the low light performance that we can get. And so the more light that we can apply to our subject, which in this case is us, the better your video is going to turn out. So we really want to do that. We want to have as much light as we can. Um, I want to talk about practicals a little bit. What we call practicals when in videography is the little lights that light things that you, most of the time you don't even see a practical light. What you see is the accent that the, uh, that, that your eye is being led to. Um, I use two practicals in, in this podcast. You can see them behind me. Um, and maybe this other camera angle will be a little bit better. So, uh, right there, I have a practical, it's basically, um, that little orange one in the cup that is designed to attract your eye attention enough to see my cool tape drawing of whatever the subject of the, of the, uh, live stream is. And then I have another practical right there simply uh, and that's a blue one and it's an homage to my time in the navy so uh that's uh the, the practicals are used to provide a subtle uh hopefully subtle um interest in your background and i'm going to talk about backgrounds a little bit in a minute 
or in a few minutes under environment. But where we really care about is using light to drive people's eyes or eliminating it where we don't want people to look. So um, you only want to light where you want people's eyes to go. And so if you're lighting your entire office, then you're basically inviting your viewer to spend their time picking around, looking in your environment instead of paying attention to your message. Really only light what you want people to focus on. And finally, um, the, the use of natural light. There's a lot of talk about using natural light. It's free. And uh, honestly, if you can use uh, natural light in your video work for uh, Zoom calls or whatever, that's great. The downside to practical light is you don't have control. So you may have a beautiful bay window that you can sit facing into so that the light comes onto you and it may look just super when it's sunny or when maybe when it's overcast, maybe it, because it's, it's a big giant soft light and it looks really great when it's overcast, but then it's a sunny day and it's just really harsh. So you don't, you end up not having control over the light and that becomes, um, you know, one day your video performance might be great. The next day you're calling, uh, another customer and your video doesn't look great. And so consistency is where natural light becomes a problem. And we want to be, uh, we just want to have as much control as we can. If natural light is all you can use, then by all means use it. Just be aware that it changes depending on cloud cover, time of year, time of day, all of those things affect it. And you don't have control over those things. So uh, around the office or home office, what can you use? You can use a lamp, you know, a regular desk lamp. You might need to pull the shade off of it to get it to be bright enough. Um, you can use, there's, uh, I tried to find one and I, I'm really sure I have one either at home or, or here at the shop. Um, uh, is a clamp, one of those lights that come, you get at a hardware store is a clamp on one end and it's just a silver, basically bowl. Um, you can, you can use something like that, put an led bulb in it, and then you might want to, to, to drop a, a piece of 11 by 17 paper over it or something to soften it a little bit. But you can clamp that onto anything and make a nice light out of it. Um, so there's plenty of options out there and, and you really, it's more about making the choice to use the light in a specific way than it is what light you use as bright as you can get it and, um, play with it, turn your camera on and change where the lighting is and see how it affects the picture. Uh, the more light we can use, the easier it is going to be on the camera. The camera's job is harder, the less light we have. All right. So now we're finally at the point in video where we're going to talk about video. I'm, I'm going to say something nobody's going to want to hear. And that is that if you have access to any camera that is not the camera in your laptop or your tablet or your phone, please think about using it. Um, I know a lot of these things are sold based on how, how we can use these cameras to make these calls. But again, we go back to the size of the lens, the distance from this, from the sensor and the sensor size itself, not the megapixels, but the physical size of the sensor all have an impact on 
how the, the picture looks. And, and there's, there's some really great cameras out there and I'm not disputing that in terms of, you know, mobile phone cameras and tablet cameras. But what happens is they distort the image, especially the closer an, a subject gets to that camera. So if you're taking a picture of a sunset in Hawaii with a, a mobile phone, it could be fabulous. But if, but if you start taking pictures of yourself or you start shooting video of yourself, th the closer the camera gets to you, the more exaggerated the effect is going to be. And that is that the thing that is closest to the camera is going to be larger. And so if you're, if you lean into the camera, in my case, my exaggerated nose becomes even more exaggerated. And if I lean away from the camera, then I gain 20 pounds. And so the, the best thing to do is to make sure you keep those cameras away and keep the profile of your body fairly straight, which is why we stand. And I didn't put that in my tips, but here's another tip stand when you do video. Um, and, and so we want to keep the plane of uh, the focal plane very flat so that we're not exaggerating any specific feature, uh, one way or the other. And, and like I said, the closer this camera gets to your body, the more exaggerated those things are going to be. So that's why we try to avoid using these smaller cameras. Now, if you have, for example, a little video camera that you got for Christmas or something a few years ago, if it has an HDMI out, that's a great opportunity to set that on a little tripod and use it uh, for your video instead of using the camera in your computer or uh, obviously if you're using a phone, you may have some other problems. Um, I haven't actually tried to hook up an external camera to a phone. So that'd be interesting. If you have a, if you have experience with that, leave a comment in the, in the uh, chat and uh, let other people know how that works. Be interesting. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the environment itself. And this is what I think I see most people really not paying attention to when it comes to doing video, they, there's kind of an assumption that if you're working from home and you're working in your dining room, it's okay to, to have a dish a sink full of dirty dishes or whatever, because I'm home. Right. And that's the authentic me or whatever. Um, the, the reality is that for the next few months, it probably is okay because we're all getting used to what we're trying to do here with, uh, you know, with social distancing and, and trying to figure out this video adventure. But the, but at the end of the day, professionalism hasn't changed. And if you wouldn't take a pile of dirty dishes in to a customer meeting, why are you doing it in your house? I get it. It's, you know, it's your house, but we have to start approaching how we do video um, more professionally as we move into doing this more regularly. And it's going to happen. We're going to be using this tool going forward. The idea with the, with the whole concept of the environment is anything that's lit. We talked about lighting before anything that's lit, that's an invitation. So anything in the environment is part of the message. And if you don't want to send the message 
you know, that you have a St. Bernard, then the St. Bernard and related things need to not be in the shot. So how do we fix that? Well, you start to learn how to control your environment and, uh, you know, clean up clutter and make sure clutter's not, I don't care if you, I'm not saying you have to do your dishes. I'm saying position the camera so they're not in the shot, right? That's, that's all. Look at your shot from the, the position of a viewer. So set up your camera and then look in all the corners of the image. And what are you seeing there? And is it part of what you want to convey to a customer or to a vendor or to an investor? Um, and, uh, and then make decisions around that and adjust your environment accordingly. Um, uh, backgrounds, you know, there's, there's, okay. So you can get, um, <laughs> zoom and, uh, uh, a few other ones will either let you, uh, use a green screen for, a, and then they can put in a, a background or you can actually, a lot of them will even try to sort of green screen you with whatever background you have and put you in a, in a, in a different environment, put something in a clever background around you. There's a, a couple things I want to say about that. First of all, um, understand your audience. And I'll talk about this a little bit more, but that might not be a good idea in a professional environment. And second of all, unless it's really good, it looks really fake. Okay. And it looks like what it is, a silly background in the software. One feature that I think, uh, both and both Skype and zoom do this. I don't know about any of the other ones specifically, but, uh, and that is blurring the background and that seems to work pretty well. And it can be kind of a cheat. It doesn't, um, it, it isn't perfect and it's certainly not going to get rid of your background, but it, you know, blurring the background can de-emphasize it. And if you can't really see what something is, then it's harder to say, okay, that's, you know, somebody's dirty dishes or somebody left a big pile of papers. The other thing is, for example, if you've got a whiteboard behind you and it's got customer information from another customer that you didn't think about, if you blur the background, it's very unlikely that any confidential information would be at risk. So there is an advantage to blurring your background. If you like that kind of tool and you don't have a lot of control over your environment, um, you may be able to say, okay, I'm just going to blur it and then I can do a little bit less work. And again, like I talked about earlier, if that's all you can do, then do that. You know, and don't worry about, well, I can't do everything. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be anxious about every video call I make. Don't do that. Just do what you can. And so if blurring the background using the tool is a good option for you, then by all means do that. Um, in the case of, of, uh, your, your backgrounds, you know, obviously I have a dedicated background here. Um, but you don't have to do something like this. I do two internet shows a week and then I've got two more that I'm working on. So there's a, a regular flow of video traffic that I create. So having a background that was, you know, designed for that made sense. That doesn't necessarily make sense if you're not doing video on a regular basis for publication. If you're doing meetings and stuff like that, then take a little bit of a, uh, a more uh, practical approach and just make sure that what's in the shot is meant to be there. And 
conveys the message that you want to convey as a professional. So the other uh, thing that I wanted to talk about in environment is sound um, and sound treatment. Like we talked about very first topic, audio is the backbone of video. And so when you, when you start to, to look at how can I improve the quality of my interaction with an audience, whether that audience is just a customer, a single customer or a workshop or a webinar or your boss or your investors, any of those things, how do I, um, get that message across? Audio is key. And there's a couple of things, um, in a studio environment like this, we've got acoustic panels and stuff like that, but you might not have access to those, or you might not want to put the expense into it. Uh, and that's certainly understandable, but you can make some improvements. So, uh, kind of things to, to, just generally think about is any flat surface is going to reflect sound and any flat shiny surface is going to reflect more sound. And so what we want to do is hardwood floors. If we can th put a throw rug down, uh, bay windows, that bay window that you think looks really nice and gives you that great light. Well, it's also reflecting audio. So it's going to cause echo and it's going to cause distortion in your audio signal. So um, that has consequences. So in the case of windows, you may be able to just draw the curtains. If you have, you know, full length curtains that cover the window, that might be enough. But now of course you lose your natural light and you have to work through that. But audio is important. So we want to, you can cover windows with curtains. You can cover, uh, floors with carpets. You don't have to buy a carpet or buy curtains. If you have to throw, uh, take the throw rug from another room, put it in the room you're doing your video in for an hour and then put it back. It's not a big, that's not a big deal. Uh, if you have, uh, curtains that we have at home, we have uh, a set of windows that does, that have curtains that are only like 18 inches wide. So they don't cover the whole window. You can throw a blanket over the curtain rod, you know, and, and, do something like that. So there are things you can do that will make a difference and they do make a difference. Uh, and then blank walls. If you have a bookshelf, you know, you can put a bookshelf up if you can't, I mean, that's not very practical to take up and put, or to put up and take down, but, uh, blank walls, it would be nice if you can do something to break up the, the sound. I mean, if, even if it's just as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to take the coat rack from the other room, put a bunch of coats on it and put it in front of the wall that will do something and, and that will help break up the sound. So you can kind of, kind of play with it. Um, but just remember flat surfaces are going to reflect sound. The fewer of them that we have, the better. Okay. Or the few of them that we have that are exposed, the better. So that's, uh, that's it for the environmental portion. So what I wanted to do now is just kind of go through some tips. Um, and these, are either tips or hacks that I've learned that could help you um, in any one of those categories, maybe not in any of them, maybe they're in their own categories. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, throw out some lessons learned, if you will. Uh, before I do that, if this video is helpful to you uh, and the other videos on my channel, please subscribe and hit the little bell icon. So you're notified. And, uh, 
and share it with your friends because it helps us spread the message and uh, share the channel. And why do I tell you that now instead of the end? Because sometimes people don't get to the end. <laughs> so um, don't worry, I'll say it at the end again. But so let's talk about some, some tips. The first tip is break it with your friends. So get a video uh, software, whatever one you're going to choose to use, and test it with friends or family or somebody that's safe and make sure everything works like you expect. Okay. And, and ask them what the environment looks like. Ask them how the audio is coming through. Ask them, um, you know, how does the video look? Uh, try to go through the motions that you would go through on camera and ask them to tell you how that comes across. A lot of times when people are interested, they lean in. Or uh, if they're getting contemplative, maybe they'll lean back. Well, those have, like I said earlier, if you're using a laptop or, or a phone camera, those movements will exaggerate physical characteristics and you need to understand what that's going to do. So have someone you can trust to say, hey, you know, that might not be the most flattering way that you should sit. Get on, get on a call with your friends so that you can learn the software, understand how you're coming across, um, learn the equipment. If you made a change, if you hooked up your video camera from Christmas, is it, you know, is it working right? Is it making sense? Uh, be early or on time. So here's one that's, we're going to get through this, but right now people are kind of, oh, I've got a, a Zoom call at 10 and at 10.02, I'm fumbling to install Zoom. Don't be that person. Okay. Um, you can be that person with friends and family and, and even potentially colleagues that you know really well. Um, but we really want to get over that pretty quick. Uh, it's the same thing as being late to a meeting because you forgot your briefcase in the car or whatever else. It's not, it's going to be okay for a little while because we're all getting used to this, but eventually people are going to get tired of it. And if you're not at the meeting when you're supposed to be, it's not like people don't have other things to do just because the video, the meeting is a video meeting instead of an, uh, a, an in-person meeting. People still have other work and waiting on each other is not, it's not polite and we need to figure it out. So get used to the software in advance. Even if someone in, asks you to come to a meeting using a software that you don't already own. Let's say I use, for example, I use Zoom and Skype and, and uh, occasionally FaceTime with, with people I know have iPhones. If somebody invites me to a WebEx, now I've used WebEx before, but it's been so long that I would download the software and I would say, okay, is it all working right before I do? I've got a Google Hangout next week. I haven't used Google Hangouts or Google Hangouts Meet or whatever it's called now. I haven't used that in a long time. So I'm going to have to dig into that before that meeting occurs so that I understand how to use the tool because that's the polite and professional thing to do. And we need to Say, so we need to get over this, this, oh, it's new. I don't have to deal with it until the last minute thing. Let's get up in front of it. Be the person who's at the meeting, ready to go when the meeting starts. If you have, uh, if you're doing video, well, I was going to say, if you're doing it regularly, you should do this, but actually you should do it no matter what, especially, I guess, if you're doing it irregularly or infrequently, 
check your setup every time you turn on your system to, to uh, go onto a, a meeting. Uh, things happen and, you know, cables can get uh, pulled, uh, power supplies can get unplugged, the software can get an update and not work like you expected it to or not be connected to your camera, whatever. And so you have this, uh, we, we need to make sure we understand the system. So 10 minutes before the meeting, just fire up your stuff, say, okay, I'm on the camera. I can see, I can test the audio. Everything's good. Um, that's a big one. Make sure that your stuff is working prior to the meeting. Uh, it, and it really, it seems like it might be an inconvenience, but realistically compared to traveling to a meeting, <laughs> getting on, getting on your computer and saying, okay, I'm going to be on a meeting in 10 minutes. Is everything working? That's not really a big inconvenience in comparison to the travel of a real meeting, a real meeting, an in-person meeting. Let's use that. This goes back to what I was saying before. There is a lot of stuff with video and you can, you can, um, you could become obsessive about it or become even more anxious understanding how many things impact how it uh, comes across. Try to just realize that you need to work within your means. Do the very best you can with the stuff that you have, with whatever equipment you have. Um, but don't go, don't go bonkers if there's a limitation, if there's a place where if you don't have another camera, then don't worry about it. What you can do, for example, with um, cameras and um, is, well, let me see if I can just do this. Let's, there's nothing like testing something live, right? Um, so we're going to switch to my FaceTime camera, which is not positioned. So you can already tell why I use an external camera, right? Um, the, this camera is actually on a, or this laptop is actually on a stand. So I am going to try to, without breaking the internet or my setup, try to, um, put it down on the desk where it would be normally. I haven't broken the internet yet, I don't think. And so you can see that here, the angle of the camera and the distortion that happens as I get closer to it, right? And so one thing you can do, if the only camera you have available to you is the camera in your laptop, is put it on a stand. And what that does for us is it puts the camera more at eye level so that you're getting a more flattering uh, shot than you would if you were, uh, if you had it down on the, on the table and you're looking up like, you know, I'm so scared right now, Blair Witch style. Um, so, so that's the, uh, uh, the effect of just lifting the camera up a little bit your eyes should really be kind of in the top third rule of thirds. Art students can tell you about that if you're not an art student. Um, and, and you want to place it so that it's high enough so that you're not looking down at yourself or, or basically looking down at the camera or up at the camera. You want to be looking as much as possible into the camera at a level place. So I can't actually look at this cause it's just, I, I don't want to. Okay. Much better. All right. So, uh, 
my my point there uh oh what did i i see i did i did break the internet all right i'll edit that out of the podcast version but um that's that's live for you so the the point is really going back to which camera am i on now okay going back to the 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 point of that whole exercise is if you don't have an external camera there's still things you can do to improve the look of the cameras that you do have and uh bringing them up to eye level and and stuff like that can can make a big difference on how they um they they uh, turn out i i uh have a a colleague that i have on linkedin that posted a picture of her laptop on a chair with one leg on a book so that it wouldn't rock. Um, and the chair was on a table. I think it was, it was a great setup. Um, talk about working with what you have. Right. Um, and, and her, her video was, uh, much better than it had been even the week before. So it, it really does matter when you make those kinds of changes. So, uh, my point is don't get obsessed. If you don't have an external camera, just do what you can with the one that you have. Uh, here's one. Oh, mark your cameras. So in the case of, um, we, eye contact is really important. And when you don't have a human around, it's really hard to make eye contact with someone that isn't there. So we really have to learn to look at the camera. And in the case of, of the studio, I actually have tape on the table because it's dark behind the lights and I can't actually even see the cameras. So if I switch from camera to camera, so I'm on the wide, wide angle. Now I have to look here. If I'm on the, the, the primary camera, I look here and there's tape on the desk to let me know what direction the camera is in. And that's a, a really easy trick that you can do on your laptop as well for two reasons. One to remind you where the camera is and two to remind you to look at the camera. Because when we're talking on, on video calls, it is really tempting to look down at the person you're talking to, except when you're looking at the person you're talking to on your screen, you're not looking at the person you're talking to on the camera and you're not making the connection that you need to with the video call. The whole point of video is to bring that level of expression, expressiveness and, and body language to an interaction that we can't have in person. So it's really important to do that. So, uh, mark your camera and that way you'll know where to be looking. Um, here's another one. Don't make your background more interesting than you or your content. So when you're trying to create a, a background environment, and that doesn't mean necessarily like a background that's going to be static forever like this one. Um, but, you know, don't, and this is why I take exception to those clever backgrounds that, you know, you can put on, on zoom or whatever, um, and using green screens to, um, to have yourself in your front of a stream in the wilderness or something, right? That's fun and clever and might be appropriate depending on your audience, but we don't want the distraction. We don't want the background or our environment to distract our, the other participants from the message we're trying to deliver. And so, because 
we're in business. This is not an entertainment thing, unless you're in the entertainment business, in which case you can make a different decision, but we're in business to, and to create value and connect value. And the, we don't need those distractions being more interesting than the message we're trying to deliver or the result we're trying to get. So that's a really important thing to think about. Don't make your environment more interesting than you are. Okay. Um, wear plain clothes. Uh, some things that you don't want to wear, stripes, um, checkers, so plaids and all of those kinds of patterns, complex patterns, paisley. Um, what happens is there's a, a an effect in cameras that uh, will make those lines start doing this and they're very unsettling for the viewer. And so plain is better. Plain, just plain clothes. Um, okay, I have to put this one in. Don't shortcut your wardrobe. Okay, if, if you've done any Googling on failed Zoom meetings or failed uh, uh, web meetings, you'll find you know, lots of examples of people who should have put pants on and, uh, you don't, that is not helpful to your cause and there's no reason for it. I mean, really you wouldn't go into a meeting with no pants or, or bunny slippers at, uh, a customer site. You wouldn't do it in your own building. Don't do it when you're at home. It's just that you can, you can make all of the well, that would never happen to me statements you want, but it happened to those people. Okay. Because you forget, you don't turn off your camera. You don't know what it looks like when your camera's off. You can't remember if you turned off your camera, you don't remember that you're actually, uh, in a zoom meeting anymore, or your, your camera's on in the zoom meeting. And so, um, just assume the camera's on and assume that all of you is visible all the time and you'll be much safer and always come across more professionally. Um, so I talked about this a little bit earlier, knowing your um, uh, audience, understanding who your audience is, is going to be play a key role in how important all of this stuff is and to what degree. So, you know, I, I kind of have been a little hard on those backgrounds that people have that in terms of, you know, the uh, picture backgrounds, if you're in an environment where that's expected or accepted, that's okay. Um, you know, if you're in the entertainment industry or you're in the photo industry or the videography industry or something, and you're showcasing some kind of product, that's fine. Um, but if you're just trying to conduct regular business, it's, you really have to understand whether or not that's going to be appropriate under the circumstances. This is video is fun and, and whatever for a little bit. And then it's a tool. It's like an, you know, in some ways it's like getting a new car, right? It's really fun and awesome the first week or two. And then you, and then it's four wheels and an engine and you drive to work and you go home and you pick up groceries and you, you get the kids. It becomes just a tool. And that's where we need to get with video. It is a tool, not something that we need to be clever with. We don't need to be, to be cute with our video interactions. We need to get work done. 
That's it. We we're here to get a result. Let's get the work done and move on. Um, so, you know, if you understand your audience, are they playful? Then maybe playful is okay. But are they, you know, if you're trying to do this in a professional environment, you need to keep it professional. And, um, that goes to, you know, how much of the work do you need to do to control your environment? I made specific choices about how I wanted the, the studio here to come across on video. And because of the audience that, uh, that I speak to. So what does that look like for you and your audience? That's what's important. And you need to keep it in mind. Um, this isn't the time to, uh, get obsessed with sharing parts of your authentic self with everybody that you do business with. Um, that's, this is not the time for that. If you want to do a blog or something else, that's great. Go to town. But when you're representing your company and your message and your product, you need to represent it in a way that furthers the mission of your company and your, and your, and your product and your, your, the mission itself. So understand your audience. So getting into what's practical, I I've probably been talking for a long time here. Um, yeah, almost an hour now, it's the longest episode. So let's talk about practical, um, elements here. Use what you have, go through the things, the four elements that we talked about, audio, lighting, the video itself and the environment and gather up your resources and you can gather up virtually on a piece of paper or whatever. You don't have to necessarily put everything in a pile on a table, although that might be helpful. Um, get that list of resources available. Where are you going to sit? You know, and how are you going to control that environment and how are you going to light it? And how are you, how's the audio in that room? And then step through what you can control. If you can't control it, don't obsess with it. Just let it go. Control what you can, let the other stuff go. And if you have things that you go, oh, I realize now that I really do have a problem with X. Uh, let's say you don't have a really, a, a, even a decent microphone um, and you need to look at doing something, uh, then, okay, maybe at that point when you've addressed everything else, do some test calls and, the uh, and, and people are giving you feedback or you're hearing it in a recording and you're saying, wow, my, my audio really isn't that good. Then you can go back and say, all right, maybe I need to do an investment in an inexpensive microphone. But the good news is a $50 microphone will make a huge difference in most people's audio setup. And, and that's all it's going to take is just, you know, for less than a hundred bucks, most people can solve that problem. So go through and, and, uh, just figure out what resources you have, identify, fix the things you can. And then if there's other things that you want to do, you can invest in those things. If you, uh, need to make a change, at least you'll know what the, the key things are that aren't working well for your setup. And then, and then tackle those. So, uh, just keep it practical. You don't need, I, if you're watching this, I can almost guarantee you, you don't need a new camera or a new microphone or a new light. You probably have what you need to make it work to the first order and to make some significant improvements, just knowing a little bit more about what the effects of, of all of those four things on video. Okay. I've gone a super long time today. 
Um, I appreciate your time watching this. I hope it was helpful. If it was helpful, um, like the video, subscribe, comment. If you have questions or experience with video for small business or in a business environment, put a comment in and help other business owners. Um, if you have a different experience than I do about something, engage that conversation. Say, you know, I, I uh, uh, have a disagreement about something because my system and my solutions work in the way that I do business. But that doesn't mean they're going to work in every situation all the time. And it would be great if there's different perspectives out there to also include those. And I'd love to hear those or see those in the chat. Um, and uh, like I said, like it, subscribe to the to the Beyond 50% YouTube channel and hit that notification bell so that you can get informed when we go live or when we uh, upload new content. If you have questions or you have uh, topic suggestions, please send them to q.a at b50p.com. That uh, will, uh, I can certainly put that in the queue. I do have uh, next week, I am going to be talking about um, trying to reconcile conflicting expertise because if, you, if you've been in business very long uh, or even if you haven't and you've been trying to find new information about how to uh, do, you know, how to be a better business person or a better leader or a better uh, pretty much anything. Uh, if you read two books, you're probably going to read two things that tell you to do the opposite of each other. And how do you reconcile that information in a way that's valuable to your business? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, in the meantime, I hope that uh, everybody stays safe and uh, work hard. For me, it's time to get back to work. Thank you for watching.